0: welcome to last call powered by speakeasy for sport i'm your host jamie and christian and today we are joined by eric amsler from the miami East. eric how are you this morning Doing great. Doing great, man. You know, now we've got so many great listeners that love basketball. and One of the things I've recognized over the last few years, there's so many opportunities in basketball. What are some of the things that you're working on right now that's really top of mind for you?
1: Even though it's August and this is kind of our downtime, I'm we're already preparing for the next season. I'm in charge of our scouting department, so I getting the schedule, getting all the players, we need to see, kinda mapping out who can go where at the beginning of the season and preseason. We don't have a designated pro scout or a college scout. We we tend to cover all bases so we have a good feel of pro minor Europe or international, I shouldn't say just Europe. And then, you know, obviously college is the big big brunt of where we travel during the season. So that's Doing that and then also finishing out the roster. I mean, our, our heat roster is pretty full right now. And then we just get kind of the the last remaining camp guys that get a shot to make the team and then also potentially play for our G League team.
0: Yeah, there there's so much that goes on in a in a NBA front office that I think people just don't realize. Right. You you know, you think about the NBA draft, it's obviously a big thing that happened. And then you have the summer league roster, you have the G League roster, but I don't think as many people focus on what happens after the draft right? And so, especially when you have a veteran team like you do, you've got a real veteran, you know, you got to really be able to fill that summer league team out. So if you just take us through the the next couple steps right after the draft ends, or maybe as the second round's kind of winding down, what your responsibilities really become and, and how you start to work through that.
1: Yeah, I think people do get a misrepresentation of like, oh, the draft is over, the NBA season is over. But I mean, literally the day after the draft, we're finalizing our team for summer league roster, trying to get those you know 15 players to like a mini camp before they like we play in two summer leagues. So you have the the summer league roster you're putting together, as well as playing the games in we play in San Francisco and in Vegas, and then right during that time is free agency. So you you know obviously our our, our big wigs are dealing more with that, and we, we give them all the knowledge we can, but we have free agency, and that takes us to the end of July, and then then there's a little maybe what we call downtime, but <laughs> I mean, I'm already started into next season trying to get ready for October and the I mean, camp starts September 26th. So trying to get everything in order. So we're we're ahead of the, you know, the rush when everyone comes back in September.
0: Yeah, you know, I've had a chance of the last few years just to like study NBA front office a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated with all those things that you have to, you know, now the components you have to be prepared for. You know, like the overseas scouting is is obviously growing every single year it, yeah. as we've had this European influx of, of players come in. You know, from your standpoint, how do you handle the scouting with the European side of it? I mean, is it a full year thing? Is it going to major events? How are you guys kind of working through that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned to you before that I, in my 19 years of the Heat, I've never been to the Las Vegas Summer League, and that's because... I I usually start out with our team in the summer league, whether it was in Orlando or now it's been the the California classic. And I go right from there over to the uh, youth tournaments, whether it's, I just came from the U-17s in Malaga. And that's like a great opportunity, whether it's like the U-17s, U-18s, it's a good chance to see the next group of, you know, young international kids, whether they're, you know, 15, 16, 17, that are going to be the next group of kids we're going to watch. And then during the season, you know, myself, Adam, and Keith Askins from from the United States. We we head over to Europe, you know, once or twice a year to see like our top group of draft prospects and free agent tra- prospects. And then we also have a couple of people that work for us, you know, overseas that kind of you know keep us updated on all oh, these are the names you need to see. These are the names that you need to research on. And that begins our you know watching video here, and then then we go over and watch who we think is the best you know prospects for us to look at. And then obviously you know the endless intel of calling coaches, yeah. calling people, you know, all our contacts we have everywhere for that.
0: What do you think it has been about the international players, uh, as, you know, last 20 years or so that's really allowed them to have such success in the NBA and, and have such an imprint?
1: I mean, I think there's a couple of things. Obviously the NBA is a very global, you know, global sport where it's well-loved in many countries. You know, I love NFL football, but I don't think there's NFL football in certain countries that they don't, they don't care. Whereas NBA, everyone's watching it and i think that's you know started with young kids and, and in europe specifically they have a young they have programs where these kids are playing on pro teams when they're in you know middle school high school or at least they're going through that that route and it's just they they learn fundamentals over there they know how to play as we've started to see in the olympics i mean you see the french team the spanish team they got some they got some players who know how to play and athletes which is half the battle so
0: yeah you know it's it's been so much fun watching you know, watching European basketball because of how the ball moves and how they kind of attack. It, it's interesting because there's like this this acceptance or role definition mm-hmm. that I think also maybe has helped as well, where, you know, because they're playing on these teams and they're younger, you know, they're 16, 17, playing on these professional teams, they're rarely the best player on that team and they kind of find their way into being able to do that. Do you think that's helped, you know, them kind of transition into, into NBA basketball?
1: Yeah, I mean definitely because you have a lot of kids in the USA that like that they're the top player on their team. And when you you get to the next level, you're not always you know there's a few superstars. You know there's there's only for every LeBron, there's ten guys that come to the league in <laughs> college, and you have to find a role, you know. And, and that's a that's a psychological process that a lot of guys have to go through while they're playing, and it can be tough. And like you said, you're over in Europe. You're you're a 15 year old playing with the 10 best Spanish kids since you're 15 you start to learn how to play with a great player or play off a great player. Or if you're that great player, you play with how to like distribute, move the ball and not just be a, you know, a chucker with 30 shots a game. So yeah, they definitely learn at a younger age, I think, to play the team game, which basketball is.
0: Yeah. And let's look at the vice versa that I think, you know, obviously you're seeing that from the national, their ability to play within a team dynamic. How hard is it to kind of scout someone who has been the best player on, the, on every team? And then you're trying to evaluate, can they fit into your culture? Coming in a, as a player,
1: and, and I think that's where intel, which is a big part of my job. You know, obviously, you know, when I throw names to Coach Riley or whoever makes the final decision, I think they're going to take their you know expertise on it. All oh, that this guy can play. I find my role is big on finding intel and finding out about these kids and how they deal with how they deal with certain things like that. Like, how are they are they coachable? How do they deal with their teammates? How do they deal with their teammate if they they make a mistake or if they're good? So, like, it's little things which. You can get through intel that can tell you a lot about a player. I mean, you're never going to be 100% correct. But, I mean, that's our job is to find out as much as we can on a guy and kind of gauge, like, how's that going to change when he hits an NBA team? Is he going to be ready to be a role player or come off the bench or really fight? Like, everyone wants that big contract, but not, you know, as I mean, you asked me before, we have a lot of guys that have come, you know, the rough, the hard way, and it's it's been beneficial to a lot of them.
0: Yeah. And I think you have this whole other component that you have Miami right out the door.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, that, that doesn't hurt trying to attract people to to Miami. But I mean, you know, I, I've been in Miami 19 years and my friends from home always make fun of me that do you ever see the sun? Or are you? Am, <laughs> yeah. I get to when I leave the office for maybe a couple minutes, but it's, it's, I mean, you're right. It's Miami. It's beautiful. You're in shorts and flip flops and t shirt almost 90% of the year. If you want, you can't yeah. be.
0: I love it. I'm going to reset the room a little bit. Jamie and Christian with Eric Amsler. Um, from the Miami Heat, uh, having a great conversation, a little bit about about intel and, and and all the things that matter, in terms of trying to pick players. I, I want to go back to your background a little bit. Uh, Dickinson College grad, small college guy. You want to think one of the trends you see in these NBA front offices, you see a lot of small college guys. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the things you learned while at Dickinson, and then you know how that has helped you, you know, kind of make your progression there with the Miami
1: Heat. Yeah, my lovely, my D3 days, I played basketball and football, uh, two years of each at Dickinson, and. And I think, I mean, yeah, this, I think what helped me there, I mean, believe me, I would have loved to play at, you know, Duke or North Carolina, but I just, you know, not too many 6-3 power forwards at that <laughs> time or roaming the earth. Um, I think what helped is I was able to play a sport and and it wasn't like a truly a business. It was obviously a, like another job, but I, I got to enjoy myself. And like, I think the big part of our job, that I'm, I think I'm good as I'm personable. And I think when you're playing in a big time D1, like basketball is your life and that's everything. D3, you get to learn to deal with other people. You're Talking with the football team, you're talking with the soccer team, and you see, like I said earlier, um, you get to see all those you know battles you have in your own head of may- maybe being like the high school star, and then you go to being you come off the bench or you play a role, and it's just little things like that that I I realize now that I I pick up on when I'm trying to see how a player is going to react to certain things. I think that helped, like just being on a team and seeing everybody you know come together, you know, try and come together pretty quickly as it is, and you know, every year the NBA teams change for the most part.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, that background, when you look at, like, the Spurs, you look at the Heat, you look at the Thunder, a lot of guys were small college guys that have kind of emerged themselves in. Why do you think they've been able to bring in so many small college guys? Why do you think they look for those small college guys? Are there any components that you feel are really valuable? Or
1: I mean, I think, I mean, from the, my experience, obviously there's a lot of like, guys in the Spurs and now in OKC, and we actually have one that came from Emerson as well. Like that was another squad thing. There's a lot of guys from Emerson. Yeah. Um, I just think guys that, and that play in Division Three sports, you really love it. Not that you don't love it at, the higher you go, but I mean, to be in D3, you're not, you know, you're highly unlikely to make any professional team. So you're in it for the love. And, and that comes in handy when you come, you know, to an internship or at the bottom level, like, you know, you're going to work hard. Like, you know, that guy, like really loves the sport and in is in it for the right reasons. And you find out pretty quick if they're made, you know, the right, you know, ingredients to be in the NBA, you know, yeah. especially in our part, like everyone here has pretty much started through the video room. And it's, I mean, that's where like Spo started, Fizdale, like and endless names, Pat Delaney, Dan Craig, like they all, you hit the ground running and you're putting in super crazy hours. You're doing, you know, meaningless tasks. You think at the point time of like, find me a thousand shots, find this, you know, but you find out pretty quick if they like it and if you keep pushing through it, it's it's worked out pretty well for everyone that I've been through.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the air that you guys pump into that video room because whatever you guys are pumping into that video room, it's just spurning out just tremendous uh, NBA talent. What is it about that video room when you walk in there that you think has helped so much?
1: I think part of it, like obviously the hard work and, and the time you put in. Like when I started, like I, I I was always the front office, but I was I worked out of the video room with Pat, Dan, and Dave Byer, and like you, you got to do everything. And and if, if you don't, you you pretty weeded, you're weeded out pretty quickly. They give you opportunities too, like yeah. you know Spo and 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 Andy and Adam. They they see who's working hard. You're still there after a year or so. And you're like, okay, I, you don't, you haven't made it because you're still doing that stuff. I mean, still today, I'm still doing some of the same stuff, but it's fine. And you're in the, you're in the team. They give you opportunities. Yeah, we've been, we've been very fortunate. I mean, we have Brett Greenberg, who's now with the Wizards. Pat Delaney, who's now also an assistant with the Wizards. I mean, you name it, man. Everyone, everyone that's been there has, has done pretty well. Give me a, a
0: intern story that you can share with our, with our listeners. Of, of
1: There's a lot I probably cannot share. Uh,
0: <laughs> just, just find us one that fits in nicely that, uh, you know, cause everybody, like you said, everybody wants to get in, but everyone, you know, once you get in there recognizing the things that you have to do and the, the in, yeah, innovation I mean, you got to have,
1: you know? So it's I I don't want to say it's easier. Cause I think it's actually added work with the, the new, you know, technology of being able to find clips and, and stuff like that. But when I started, we literally had deck to deck like tapes. So when we would do a draft prep or not draft prep, a playoff prep, I would help out with our video coordinators and we would literally be there till the last game on that say was a Wednesday night, ended at eleven. It'd be till nine in the morning when you know we had to have all our playoff prep ready for you know whoever the head coach at time it was either. You know, Stan, Pat, or or Spo, and you you just working tapes all night. And at one point, there would be like Pat, DC, Buyer, and I, <laughs> like 6 a.m. And you'd look look around the corner, and somebody, all of us had it happen. You'd be half asleep, like falling asleep, and you just have to give a little slap on the back and just just keep going, man. We got it. Four more. <laughs> so like when they started to get like the technology with all like the laptops, I was like, oh man, you guys have it easy. But then I, <laughs> Now it's, it's easier to get like 500 shots. Now you got to go get them a little quicker, but you still got to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah there's so many, it's so crazy. Technology's helped our game so much. You know, similar experience around us at Bucknell. People don't realize the headache, the tape, the tape was. You know, oh. and the generation before us was like real, you know what I mean? Where they had to like I, I see the little you things we
1: used to use deck to deck, like the little stop, rewind, record. I, I literally get like PTSD <laughs> when I look at those things. <laughs> I, I walk away. I won't even go in their video room anymore if I don't have to.
0: You know, you haven't you haven't made it though until you've had that kind of experience where Yeah. And uh, I think
1: that's what they love here. They 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 love that hey, you've been through the battles, you've been through that, you know, we call it you've been through the video, man. You make it through that. It's, you know, you're you're smooth, not smooth sailing, but it's, you can handle anything.
0: Yeah. Do you you have any moments? I mean, you know, obviously you're doing, you're doing in such an Intel business now, but do you have any, do you remember the first time that, you know, you're watching the film of a player and you're, and it just kind of like popped the film and you were like, this guy is going to be really good. Maybe he's a little bit underrated, but you just remember watching it and thinking, man, like someone's really missing the boat on this guy.
1: I'm trying to think of any, like, I mean, I I I can't see say any particular name of like an under, because I've had a lot, I mean, we have a lot of mess ups, you know, there's the guys, yeah. I mean, some of my coworkers be like, Hey, Amsler, man, you, you had this guy like number two in your draft or yeah, I've been wrong plenty of times. I mean, only one that sticks out in my head. It's not like I was, you know, wasn't like but like Derek Rose. And again, he was really good obviously, yeah. but I remember I saw him and I like, it was, I was pretty young in, in our department, our, our GM at the time or any fun. I, I I must've been pushing Derek Rose cause that year we were, you know, we got the number two pick, but I was, I was all over Derek Rose. Like he was like my best friend. And I just, every day, every chance I get, I'm like, Randy, he's, he's the best player in the draft. Don't, don't even think. Like, <laughs> not that Beasley wasn't a great player too, but, but I mean, under, under the radar guys. I and mean, we we've been so fortunate with guys like Josh Richardson, Duncan Robinson. I mean, we, we, we work, we do really well because we don't tend to have a lot of picks here in Miami which is great. It's fine. Um, we, you know, coach Riley knows what he's doing. So we got to find that guy, you know, the diamond in the rough, so to speak. So we, we, that's half our time is spent trying to find these guys. And that's the good thing about our you know, our whole team. We've all been together so long. Like I'm, you know, I'm the young guy and I've been here 19 years. So we, we know what SPO wants. We know what coach Riley yeah. wants. we, not that we're, like, gearing towards just that guy, but, like, when it comes down to it, we, we know, like, all right, is he going to play this guy? Like, we know he's going to play the bulldog over, you know, he could be the greatest athlete, but if he doesn't know how to play or he doesn't play defense or he doesn't have a specific skill that we know Spro's going to play him, then we, we tend to move off those guys.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a, that's a great segue. Like, I was watching, like, I did a ton of, like – NBA roster uh, research this, this year, just I was really curious about it, had a little bit of time on my hands. And one of the things that that I don't think you guys get enough credit for, you know, out of your playoff roster, you had the most undrafted G League guys uh, in the rotation yeah. Um, they're making major plays for you you know you look at a lot of teams they're like you know you look at some of the worst teams they have only drafted young drafted players but you guys have found a way to kind of bridge the gap and then do a little bit of a little bit of both bring in some good free agents some veterans just a big time credit to you all because it, i would think it's hard to do that why do you think you've had so much success with some of those g league undrafted guys merging into that into that rotation uh, again that's a, you know for our, for our people that are listening that's really hard to do. And and you've had a lot of guys settle in and do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, just off the top, my head, you bring in playoffs. I mean, we had Gabe Vincent came in when Kyle went down with the hamstring. I mean, Max Struess has been phenomenal for us. Yeah. We, I mean, in the past, I'm looking at names we've had so many players. But I mean, I think obviously some luck goes into it. But I mean, I got to give credit to the players. One, they they bust their butt and they know. And I think they come in here knowing they're going to get an opportunity, which is a credit to our coaches and Spo. Like, there's a lot. I mean, I'm not try and bash any other teams, but there's a lot of times you'll bring in a guy on a 10-day contract or, like, he's the bottom, like, 15 or, you know, a minimum contract, and they'll play the last two minutes of the game or whatnot, but we've had guys come in, Derek, Derek Jones, I remember, his first game, we had him on a two-way, he came up, literally, first game, suppose, like, you're going to start tonight and you're guarding James Harden, so, like, you're thrown in the mix. It's, it's put up or shut up time. And same with like Gabe is always he's been like a backup, he's been a third guard, but every time he's been put in, it's always been like a meaningful spot. like when I started watching Gabe, I was like oh this kid can score he's a shooter and now like I would think around the league he's probably known more as like that scrappy defender that like I mean Trey Young we threw him on Trey Young in the playoffs and he you know, Trey Young's one of a phenomenal score creator and he did a you know pretty darn good job on him I thought so credit to our coaches they, they put him in a spot. And they play them in meaningful minutes, and, and I think they feel that. and they, it, Confidence, it helps their confidence, which I think is a huge thing with those type of guys in the league. You, like These guys are going through so much mentally, just dealing with the NBA life, dealing with this. Like you know, They have so many things on their plate on top of trying to be the best basketball player they can be. And the fact that they get that confidence from our staff and our front office, like, hey, we believe in you. You're going to play. When that opportunity comes, give it your all. And it's not going to be like that last 30 seconds of the game, which is fine if they can get that. But Spell will put you in the second quarter or the first quarter just to see how you are against meaningful, you know, rotation players. So,
0: yeah, it's cool. been like, it's been really fun to watch, you know, it's just because, you know, you always kind of see the, you know, the top end draft picks and those kind of guys that you really, that you know well, you know, and, it's fun as a person who loves basketball is to watch a guy like Gabe Vincent get an opportunity. You know, I remember watching Max Ruth play when he was playing when he was playing Division Two, and I was like, man, this guy doesn't really fit here. <laughs> <laughs> he's got great size, athleticism, lift, all those things.
1: But he can shoot, and he's tough. That's the thing. Like he can shoot, and he's tough, and, and and also like to give credit to our 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 Heat roster guys. Like I remember we had Duncan Robinson coming in for like workouts the year we signed him. I don't even know if he had had a two-way at that point. And they're just playing pickup and he's like, he's trying to make me pass the ball to certain people. And I think, I don't know who it was, UD or somebody, they stopped the pickup. Like, Hey, what do you do? What's your strength? You shoot, right? If you don't shoot, you're not going to be here. And I think having like our, you know, star players, our leaders, like, you know, not bark at them, but like, Hey, you, you have a skill. This is the time to show it. And I think that helped. Like Gabe knew his role, his way onto the, the court was probably through defense. Duncan, you're a shooter. So, you know shoot from 40 feet, we don't care. We, we have a better, I believe it's going to go in every time. Him and Struess. every time I shoot, I, I feel pretty confident. And I know they feel pretty confident it's going to go
0: in. Again, let me reset the room a little bit. Eric Amsler joining us today on Last Call. Just a great conversation about about, about players and the Miami Heat culture. You know, what what is the Miami Heat culture? You know, everyone talks about that. It's like now become like a, a, a catchphrase. What is the Miami Heat culture?
1: Oh yeah, it's all it's all over t-shirts. You hear it a lot. I'm sure the outside is probably sick and tired of heat hearing about heat culture sometimes, but I think everybody inside here has their own interpretation of it. I, I think for me it's kind of what we've been talking about is that since the day I've started it's always been about win. There's never been anything Other than getting to a championship, winning a championship, it's never been like, hey, just make the playoffs. Just let's see how good we can do. It's it's been one goal every every year I've been here, and we've been very fortunate. I think our culture starts with our leadership. You know, obviously the Arison family and and, then Pat Riley's. You know, he's been the leader since I've been here, and he's been the leader since '95. And it's his vision, and and we all kind of follow that vision, that idea, and it's it's just trickled down to all of us that have been here, and obviously everyone's been here. You know, from yeah. Andy to Adam to Spo to you know, everyone that's been here. Is, we're all under his umbrella. You know, Coach rallies, and it's worked pretty well so far. So I think we'll we'll keep going with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, p- people don't realize. I mean, you know, the I realize, and, and you do, because we're in that when the Miami heat wasn't very good. You oh yeah. know, When 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 the, like now in recent memory they've been good for, you know, 20 years, 22 years, 25 years, something like it's been incredible. The run that Coach Riley's had there, coaching and then into his leadership, that probably people, younger people, probably don't even remember that I Miami mean, Heat not being one of the best teams, and it's just yeah. been, been ongoing. What is it? And I'm gonna ask you about a couple of folks that that you've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. What is it that Pat Riley does that's so good that has changed multiple organizations with his with his presence?
1: He he sticks to it. I think the straight, he, like I said, his his goal is winning. And if, if everyone is on that same train, like that train's going straight to championship, everyone hop on. If you're not on it, you're, you're, you're off of it. So he's, he's had that mentality, I, th- I think, with the Lakers. He had it with the Knicks. I mean, like you said, he had the Showtime Lakers. He had the, the gritty Knicks that, you know, used to fight with the, the Heat, you know. And then that, and now he's here and he's had, I think we're a mix of both. You know, we have athletes. We have, you know, we, we grind and we're tough. You know, they had that I mean, I don't even remember the motto, but there was like the, they used to have these t shirts of everything that the heat was. And he just every year it's the same thing and we know what he wants and, and we all are going for the same goal. So Yeah. What what makes Eric Spolstra so good? I mean, he's he's learned under, you know, Riley from day one and he's 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 different in his own way and a great you know, the, the league has changed. I think you know, the old days of being that coach is super hard on guys. It's it's you can't be that guy anymore to a degree. I mean, you can be hard on them but you got to be personable you got to be i mean Spo is so technical and, and prepared there'll never be a doubt that he's not prepared for w- what lies ahead whether it's the next game the next season for what player he's he's always ready he, he, you wouldn't think he's a, as successful as he is he, he he prepares like he's trying to prove himself every day to you know the league to, i mean i'm sure he's not doing that in his head but he prepares like he's trying to prove himself that he's good enough for the job
0: last call with jamie and christian is powered by speakeasy for sports the first exclusive platform for sports professionals by sports professionals we connect you directly with top performers in the industry and allow you to build the relationships that will help grow your career think of it as the final four nba summer league or any other sports convention all now from your laptop and phone 24 7 365 careers grow through relationships and relationships go through speakeasy join the speakeasy family today at speakeasyforsports.com yeah yeah it, it, i mean it's it's probably been pretty neat for you being inside the walls there watching him grow as a grow from from really from the beginning to where he is now um yeah. he was like, him, essentially
1: like our first boss in the video room he was an assistant then so he's and he's always been the same same guy too I mean obviously he's a lot more a lot busier now but I mean maybe not <laughs> He just keeps it personal with all of us, you know. He hasn't changed. You know, we used to all play pickup all together. It was probably, you know, thank God we don't play anymore. If I play pickup, I break down quick. But yeah, he's just he's motivated. He likes to win. Same same mentality as Riley and that that fact. So, but he's always prepared. He can never. I mean, he's here now. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of coaches are in gyms, but I see him every day when I'm here. He's either down stairs with our strength guys talking with, you know, the players walk in. It's it's been been good to see.
0: Good. Uh, Udonis Haslam.
1: Oh, he's, yeah. Mr. 305. He's, he's everything that we, we preach, you know, working hard, being tough, always being prepared. Like, I don't think people realize Udonis in high school and and at Florida. He, he was a hefty guy. And I think Mm -hmm. he had that year away in France. He lost a ton of weight and he's like, he still looks, he's probably the best in shape player on our team to a degree. And he's just, He's all about winning. He's all about what it takes to to help the team. I mean, he's been in, in his like, you know, leadership on the bench role for the last few years. When I don't, I don't even know if some of our young guys realize he was one of our best players during our championship years. So, yeah, yeah, he's just he's everything we we embody here in Miami.
0: It's funny when I you know through the through the last few months, I've had a chance to really talk to a lot of different NBA scouting people, directors, looking at their rosters, ask my opinions. And I'm like, you got to find yourself, Udonis Haslam. You know, if you got a young team, you got to find yourself a veteran who can help you if you need it, but mostly is going to set the tone in that locker room every day. And I look at all these younger teams and I say, like, you don't have anyone that's going to set the tone.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't, so, I, don't think people, I don't think people realize the importance of it. Like, I mean, I think recently he was in the uh, some article like complaining about people saying, why is he taking up a roster spot? He, He's a big piece of that. If people don't understand that locker room, ours is a circle. Like, Things get crazy during an A two game season, and plus, you know, and like to have that guy who's like I've been, he's been there. He's you can everyone can look to him, you know, for advice or ideas, and or just like if someone needs to be put in their place, he's your guy. He's a great conduit, like branch for Spo, because he's been with Spo forever as well. So he knows what Spo wants. He obviously knows what Riley wants, and it's all about, like, like I said again, it's all about winning, and, and UD knows that.
0: Yeah, I look at look at all these younger teams, and I'm like. You know, they're like, what do you think? I'm like, you've got great young talent, but if they don't have some person in that locker room that can tell them right versus wrong, you know, because, you know, your coaches only have so much influence over a team in college or pro or wherever, you know, there's so many things that are going on in that locker room in that circle that you just don't have control over. So having a veteran like that, that sets the tone and understands it, I always say you need someone that defends the culture and whatever your culture is, having someone that's a defender that is going really change it.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's funny because other scouts. I'm on. I spend half my time on the road with other scouts, and they're, they're like, "What is it about UD? Why, why do you still have him? Or like, who's the next UD?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I'm not giving up that secret. I mean, I don't even know if it is a secret. It's just it's who he is. But I mean, you got to be here to really see it when it's in action. It's the best.
0: Yeah, you know, I think when you're a person who loves basketball or studies basketball, studies teams, you know, I, I watch so much of like the timeouts, the huddles, the yeah. you know, the stuff like that because. Again, again, I'm not there every day. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to watch and just try to figure out well, man, look at the dynamic, you know, and you're seeing these veteran guys grab younger players or even grabbing veteran players. You know, I mean yep. he's grabbed he grabbed Kyle Lowry a bunch of times this year mm-hmm. and just conversation, you know. I think if you're communicating well, you can solve a lot of problems in conversation. And that doesn't always have to come from the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. Sometimes after a while you get tired of the coach's voice sometimes, and it helps having that the player, like we used to have, Juwan was similar in that way. Juwan and UD, you know, you want to hear it from a player, it's like, you know, I don't know, it's a different relationship. And and you, and I'm sure UD can say say it in a different way than Spolster can without causing uh, any issues. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, it's all so, about finding ways to have honesty in the locker room.
1: Yeah, I tell yeah. a lot of you said about like taking my daughter to a few games of scout. I'm like, watch this guy when he walks to the bench and tell me what you think. Or if I know it's going to be, you know, it could be a potential interaction. I'm like, that's what I look for. I like to see how they, how, like you said, a vet, how does he grab a player? Does he yell at him? Does he like, you know, put his arm around him? It's, it's very important. Yeah. yeah. It,
0: yeah at the end of the day, the game is all about making others
1: better. Mm-hmm.
0: And- yeah. And
1: if they can all get into that, that belief. Cause sometimes, I mean, everyone, there's, we, we work in a business of a lot of egos, and guys are, I don't want to say just all about themselves, but they, they're trying to improve themselves and be better. And, and the best way for that to happen is having a good team. Like yeah. I, I say that to our G League team. Like, it's all you guys are trying to make the NBA. I know that. But the best way for that to happen is becoming a team, being a good team. It just helps. It helps get you to the next level for everybody. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Alonzo Morning. What does he mean for Miami Heat?
1: His O is. He's tough, man, he's, he's always he's captain serious, but I mean, he, he obviously you can get him to smile every now and then. But he's he's I don't want to call him like the original UD because they're very similar. But he's been here. I mean, that was Coach Riley's big, you know, acquisition back then when he brought him in. And it was because he was he had a toughness and a work ethic to him I mean, he wasn't always the biggest guy. Funny enough, I saw a picture of like him and Bill Russell and Shaq and all these like great centers. And, and I don't think people realize that was like three inches, four inches shorter than those guys. Yeah. So that just shows – he had to work his tail off. I mean, I grew up, like, watching Georgetown a lot. I think I had a Patrick Ewing, you know, Zoe Georgetown jersey. And, like, now, like, seeing him, and like, he was – like, not that he was skinny, but he was, like, a, a slender big man. If he heard me say that, he'd probably come in and hit me. But <laughs> now he's, like, you know, he's super jacked still. I don't even know how old he is. And he's – you know, he's, he works hard, man. And, that again, it embodies what the Heat have always been about, what Riley's about. I mean, that was Riley's guy of, like, he works. He busts his ass. That's what we want here. Yeah. here. yeah.
0: You know, it's 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 been great to watch. Again, as a fan, as a person who loves watching NBA basketball, the celebration of a guy like Lonzo Mourning. And, mm-hmm. you know, as an extension from being a great player and then transitioning to the front office role, I, I love that. And I really feel like the Heat really the first organization to really start to do that. You know, you saw the Spurs do it a little bit with Tim Duncan coming through there and some different guys. But yeah. for the most part, what happens Guys, guys finish playing their careers, and they just move on from them. And I, I love the fact that you've been able to bring guys back like that.
1: Oh, there's a loyalty to, to our, you know, our, our old guys, you know our old stars. I mean, Zoe's been through so much, obviously, with, with his health. And, and then like, he, he left for a little bit in New Jersey, and we brought him back. And I remember in '06 when we won, like, he was like, I don't think I've ever seen him so happy. And you could see like all the journeys he had taken just to get to that moment. And to be able to win and be, and be part of the team, was, it was great to see. I know mean, I, I mean, that's, geez, that's 16 years ago. But I remember, like, it was yesterday. Yeah.
0: yeah, but it feels like when you watch the Miami Heat play, all those stories are connected. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no, you know, even even like, you, think with, you had LeBron come in and LeBron leave, and, you know, you've had all these different things happen. In most places, when those things happen, it's like an end. But you have found a way to kind of weave it all together and to continue to make progress. And that's a lot of credit to the people in that building.
1: Yeah. Like you said, like, I mean, the NBA, there's always change. Every every roster is different, even if it's minor and whatnot. And obviously, we you know, when LeBron left, we had a major change. But I mean, every time we've had a change at the end of a, you know, whether it was after Shaq left or after Dwayne retired or after LeBron left, it's it's always been the next day what do we got to do to get back to, you know, championship contender? It wasn't like, all right. It's a rebuild. It's not, it's, it's always been, what do we got to do to get back to the top? It's always, it's always been that you don't even think about the, the other.
0: Yeah, that, that North Star seems to really matter and and really changes the perspective of everybody in that building. You know, obviously having that North Star, but then having continuity. You know, a lot of times when you have that as your North Star, you see a lot of different organizations through all sports. When that's their North Star, you see a lot of changes. You know, why have you guys been able to be there for so long and, you know, have that kind of consistency in a ever-changing world, in an ever-competitive world? That's really unique when you look at it.
1: But that probably starts, obviously, with Coach Riley, too, with the Arisons. They have complete belief in, in Coach Riley and, and hopefully all of us. But Riley's loyalty to all of us and building this whole family has been – I think it helps because there's a trust and there's an understanding. Like, you, when there's constant change, you're, you're a new guy. Even if you know the person, like, maybe you haven't worked with them. It can be different. Like, I don't want to say I know exactly how certain people in our office think, but I have a pretty good, after 19 years of working with, you know, whoever in our, our departments, I have an idea what they want, what they, they're they thinking and, and or how we all can best help that, you know, the, the end goal. So I think that the continuity there has been huge and we all understand it. And I think Coach Riley and, and the Erisons understand that. That's that's why we've been pretty successful because of all our, you know, we can be honest, there's an honesty, you know, in conversations that, that maybe isn't there in certain teams that are like new together.
0: Yeah. And I I think that's so important. Like, again, that honesty, you know, like if you see a player you really like, you like you said, you talked a lot about the mistakes that you are able to make and, and you still been able to have some successes, right? Like that, that only breeds trust between people, like knowing this guy's going to like this kind of person and you kind of work through it. And what people don't realize in sport is that, you're going to lose a lot, you know, in the yeah. front office and you're, you know, you're going to, your wins are going to be celebrated. And you're, a lot of your losses. You're not, might not even be known.
1: Yeah, if, you you're, know? if you're, if you 60% of your games, you're still losing 40. It's like, you know, in baseball when people are like, Oh, he's a 300 hitter. That's great. But he's getting out seven of the other times. It's, you know, it helped the, the continuity and everything you we're talking about. It just, it, it helps when you're trying to give like your most honest declaration of a player. Like you're not worried. You're like, Oh, he's going to think I'm the worst scout in the world. Or like we have that relationship where I've I've screwed up on players. I like that turned out not to be as good as I thought. And we can not joke about it. Like, Oh, you you thought this guy was great. Where's he at? You know, I'm like, okay, I get it. I'll do better next time. So there's a relationship and the fun part of it in that, that helps, you know, it builds your own confidence and you know, everyone accepts that. Hey, we're not all perfect here. We're not, we're not going to be right 10 times out of 10. What,
0: what do you think, what's the biggest component of why a talented guy doesn't make it?
1: I think a big thing is their main focus not being the court. Like I said, you, you come in the NBA with these salaries and whatnot. And nowadays, all these kids that come in that are drafted high, they're pretty young. They're 19, 18, 19 20. I, I think of myself at 19, 20, if I was handed some of this money, I won't be on this call. I promise you. It might be with a jail sale behind me. I don't know. But I think that's a lot for these guys to handle. And I think they forget what got them there and, you know, the work. You're coming into a league where everyone's good. Everyone on that team is good. It's not like you're the best player out of five. you You're Everyone on that team has been a star, at college or in high school at some level and and being able to handle that and all everything that comes at you you know these kids are alone a lot too i think and the nba has done a great job of like trying to help them with adapting to you know what, what's ahead but being able to handle everything and work on your craft can be difficult.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's like such a battle yeah. because there's obviously a time to celebrate where you've been, but there's a time to put your head down and go to work. Obviously you guys have such a veteran crew. Hopefully that really helps the younger players kind of rep, kind of understand what they got to, what they have to do to yeah. be successful.
1: And they're, and they're here all the time, you know, whenever they can be, you know, legally when they're allowed to work, they're, they're in here working, whether they're on their own or not like people ask me about Tyler or Bam like oh what makes him so good I'm like I see them here every day I mean usually they they obviously have their breaks or they have to go do commitments but when they're not they'll be in the gym by themselves getting shots out I mean they they work they want to be great which is what we you know preach here like you want to be great you got to put in the work and you have the opportunity because our guys are here all the time and available which is half the battle too.
0: Yeah. How much have you seen the the front office staff, the player staff, the coaching staff? How much have they grown in,
1: in your years with the Heat? Back when I started, like like our coaches wear like the black shirts and black shorts. So it's always like, oh, the black shirts are here. And Riley, will he'll, he'll always tell some stories. Like when I was at the Lakers, we had three of us, two of us. And one guy was like our travel guy. Now it's there's so many things like you have strength guys. We're trying to keep these guys healthy. We have nutritionists. We have you know, obviously the video department. And analytics departments have grown because it's, it's a huge component. It's, it's all about making pieces of the pie to help the team, whether it's analytics, it's scouting, it's, you know, nutrition, strength, the coaching staff. So it's, it's just everything trying to be, to make your team the best they can, you know, on and off the court and in, in front office from scouting side, like our departments have gotten bigger. Cause like we were talking earlier, international, it used to be kind of just Europe and that, but now you have Australia and obviously South America you can we can head down there and see you know, young kids that may go over to Europe you know when the contracts come but it's just all about covering your bases and making sure you're ahead of the next team in whatever aspect that is. is like, and that's where analytics has come in huge in basketball. The,
0: the data side of it is like the big craze, but there's always been analytics in basketball. I think people, people, oh, yeah. people believe yeah. there's always been
1: analytics in basketball. It's almost like they just put the word analytics to them. Like, Hey, I'm pretty sure we've all been looking at numbers and obviously there's, there's much more creative and more intelligent numbers out there than I'm, I'm capable of. But since I've been here, I've always been looking at certain things that like, Oh, what do I like about a player? And, you know, whether it's plus minus or just like you know, you know raw numbers like you get rebounds and stuff like that, what do they do? But yeah, we've always we've always been looking at it and observing it. It's just more diverse now, or I don't know what the word is. Yeah,
0: yeah. You finish the game and finish the games, and you're looking at stats. You, yeah, you're not crazy right stats. Back too, you're looking right into the stats. That's been the same for probably the last fifty years of basketball.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, uh, now those stats are just. It completely like I need someone to like go over all the names and stuff. Can you tell me what that is? And it happens sometimes. I have no idea what the number is, but once I do, it's great to, to know. That's why we have them here. Yeah.
0: No question. No question. Yeah. Uh, uh Jamie and Christian here on last call with Eric Amsler from the Miami heat. Right, before I let you go, I always have this question for my guests. All right. Yeah. And it's last call. So we're at the end of the night. We've had a good time. You've got one person beside you to your left who's been retired, and can, they can be alive or 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 not living. And you've got one person on the right of you who's still still working. Who's the person to your left? Who's the person to your right?
1: The person to my left is Charles Barkley. Why Barkley? I just, I mean, I worked for the NBA for in, back in 2001, and he, when he was starting with TNT, and just his his personality and his knowledge of basketball. And I've I've been with him in certain spots back then, like behind the scenes, like kind of probably getting water and stuff but he's so personable and so fun to hear talk about stories i mean it's basically what we see on inside the nba and just just having that i, I love guy like former nba players when they're telling stories and 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 just his knowledge and love for the game just he still has it and it's he'd be a perfect person to talk with late at night about hoops in life and on my right i throw out draymond just because there's two have combative you know <laughs> it'd be easy for me to just sit back and see them go back at each other like and again they've done it we've seen it on tv too and at some point i think we'll see more of it if and yeah. when draymond retires
0: yeah what what makes draymond green such a such a great basketball player
1: I don't think people realize he's really smart at, yeah. at the game of basketball on both ends. Like he doesn't need to have 20 points and he knows that he just needs to get the ball the right person. He knows how to get under someone's skin, whether that's just an extra nudge or like just everything about him is so cerebral. Oh, a little elbow when that guy's coming across the lane, or just a little touch on the hip. He knows exactly what gets in that player's head and it maybe puts him off his spot because in, in the NBA, it's all about that extra inch or foot. Like, if he can hit a hip without getting a foul call and knocks him off his his drive, or if he knows how to hit him with his you know his, his butt on a rebound and it drives him nuts, like so he's—I just think that guy puts so much time into the studying and in and video and, that, and what he's supposed to do. And obviously, he has two great shooters plus around him that that helps. But and they allow him to be who he is to a degree. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, it's, it's so much fun to watch the way they have the capability of moving the ball because of him and really Mm -hmm. because of his unselfishness, you know, and one of the things when you watch these NBA documentaries and you've been around a lot of these great players that are, that are sort of like these role star players. Yeah. There's such a confidence in their craft. Dennis Robin would say about Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, he would say, those guys can't do what I can do. And what I do is the best in the world and have that kind of confidence in being a role player. It's really unique.
1: Yeah, you, know, you take Dennis Rodman off that that second Bulls team. You know, I, I don't think they win. Yeah. And the same with like I think when Draymond was out. I mean, I, I mean, obviously Clay was hurt too and stuff. But like they weren't. They're not the same. You take him off that team. They're not the same. You know, yeah. mentally and and you know just physically.
0: Yeah, know. I just love how you know like you talk about the stuff he does on the floor. But just the edge that he gives those guys when they're when they're able to play, it's pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah. If if you really enjoy watching basketball and not just watching
1: stats. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a part form yeah. of it that he has. I, I would not want to go step on a court against him. I'd be like, Oh man, this is gonna be, <laughs> gonna be a long forty eight minutes. Just taking abuse and getting beaten up mentally and physically.
0: Well, Eric, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Again, this is Jamie and Christian for Last Call, powered by Speakeasy for Sport, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through Speakeasy. Thank you from our guest, Eric Amster, today. Look forward to joining and talking with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Last Call, powered by Speakeasy, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through Speakeasy. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to connecting with you soon.